0: Hello, Hoopaholics. It's Coach Spins, and welcome back to the Box in One podcast, episode eight. Here we're doing a reversion of what we did early on in the days of our podcast, which is diving into one team and speaking with a guest on our pod who knew everything about one of the NBA franchises. So, a return to one of what I'm coining as the most important franchises to watch over the next three to five years. The Detroit Pistons and there were a couple ways we could do this we could do this the easy way we could do it the hard way but tonight we're going to do it the Matt way Matt way is joining us from Detroit bad boys a, a, a long friend of mine uh, wrote together for some sites way back in the day he's always insightful with what he adds on SB Nation and, and is able to cover the Detroit Pistons but also a nuanced basketball eye and, and a guy that if we're talking about the Pistons there's nobody I'd rather have on so Matt First question that everyone needs to know how are you this evening
1: i'm I'm great adam thanks for that introduction um, as you can expect i've i've heard every variation of that that joke but uh so so I heard it coming but i, I still uh, i still laughed so uh, I'm, I'm doing great glad glad to be here thanks for that introduction and uh, excited to talk some some pistons and um some draft i i don't know that many pistons fans would describe them as the one of the five most, uh, m- most important franchises to watch. Some of them would, um, but I, I, I agree. I think they are a very interesting test case uh, right
0: now. Yeah, and, and Matt, I appreciate your sympathy chuckle. I, I need a lot more of those to help get me through my day, but um, I, I agree with you. I think that there's just a ton to watch with this Pistons team. They have the blueprints in pay, in place for some intriguing young players some draft capital that we're expecting to help them in the future. And more than anything, I think a really unique defensive group where they can go a lot of different directions to make this a a team that has talent with every single guy that they've drafted over the last year or two can really help this this program defensively and and evolve into something great. So uh, before we dive into the Pistons, I do have one question that we start off all of our guests with is is a basketball-centric question to try to get the people thinking. You're up three with five seconds to go and it's the other team's ball in the full court. What do you do? Do you instruct your team to foul?
1: I I would, um, especially in the full court In the half court, it gets a little trickier and you kind of want, I think, to only foul if the person is maybe not squared up, um, and, and ready to shoot right away but in the in the full court as long as you're careful with it um because and, and i think you're probably safer now this year than you were in, in years past with some of the 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 emphasis changes it's at least up to this point um as a, as a viewer i hate it um it makes things so much less entertaining um but if i'm a coach i'm, I'm definitely gonna going to have my, my team foul
0: on the, the full court. Yeah, I think the referees have cleaned up some parts of the game this year. It looks a little bit more pleasant to watch, but we do need to hashtag ban the take foul because that right now is is really killing transition play, which is, by my measure, the most exciting part of the game for the casual fan, right? You want to come in, you want to see dunks, you want to see those highlight plays, and take foul after take foul. It's got to be on the competition, committee's radar. Hashtag ban the take foul.
1: I'm I'm with you there. I think it annoys me more than the the trying to draw foul stuff, and I, and I don't like that stuff either. But and it's it's if if it was just limited to transition too, like it would be okay. But I, I, th- I think it was last night in the the Lakers Pistons games. Like the the Lakers did it in like semi transition on a four on three with Sadiq Bay bringing the ball, like. It's it's just getting ridiculous to the point where you, you got to do something about it for
0: sure. There's there's no doubt about that. So uh, as, as we're focusing on the Pistons here tonight, uh, the biggest thing for me is trying to, to set the stage for what they already have as opposed to what they don't. Because over the last two years, we've seen Troy Weaver spend significant capital to get four first round draft picks, all of which have been – hit or miss in some regard, but have already shown their hand as to who they they are going to be at the NBA level to a certain extent. So you're here to help us kind of get a little bit better of a feel for how these guys have played for the Pistons, maybe what their shortcomings are. And then at the very end, hopefully we bring this all together to figure out what the franchise is missing to kind of put in a, a championship caliber team together. And if these are the ingredients already in place to do so. So if we're going to start anywhere, it has to be With the first overall pick in the most recent draft, Cade Cunningham, not a ton of games under his belt because he started with an injury and is still working his way back in there. It's been up and down. He didn't start out great, especially shooting the basketball, but he's come on recently, actually had his first career triple double last night against the Lakers. So want to hear a little bit from you, Matt. Do you think that he can be the primary guy on a championship caliber team based on what you've seen? Like, what's your initial evaluation and take on Cade Cunningham with the Pistons?
1: Yeah. So my, I'll just start with my initial take is he is one of the most mature playing rookies that I can, I can remember um, in NBA. He's, he's just a very smart player. He, he has some quickness limitations. He, he throws some bad passes like rookies do, Um, but you can just, kind of some guys you just sense the leadership. You sense that people want to play with this guy. And, and Kate's one of those guys, um, you know, and I mean, I'm kind of a side note to that. Like he is the guy who was doing everything he could to hold Isaiah Stewart back last night in the, the near melee and uh, between the Lakers and the Pistons. Like that's the kind of guy he is um, kind of leader. He is, I, I think everyone speaks highly of him. Just from an encore perspective, he's struggled shooting the ball. Certainly, you know, I think he's shooting like 25% from three. Um, but if you look at the rest of his numbers, despite a, a tough start, at a bum ankle, you know, he, his, his turnover rate is actually down a little bit from college. You know, that that was a concern of mine going in, and I think he's already started to clean some of that up. Um, he's shooting about the same he was from, from two. He's just taking a lot more threes and, and missing them. Um, his assist rates up a little bit, his rebounding rates up a little bit. So I, I really liked what, I, what I've seen from Cade in terms of whether he's the primary guy on the championship caliber team. I don't know that he is necessarily going to be the leading scorer on the championship caliber team, but I do think that he can be the best player. Um, all the ways he impacts the, the offense on top of just already being a really good defender um, as, as a young rookie. Um, he, he can absolutely, I think, be the best player on a championship
0: team. Yeah, I, I think that's an important distinction to make, too, right, between best player and top scorer. And that's the, the thing about Cade is he's such a talented passer and has an unbelievable feel for the game that he can make other guys around him better. If you pair him with one other guy that can just go out and get his an average 25 or 26 a night, now some of that pressure is off of Cade to necessarily be scoring the basketball in a ton of ways and really play more to his his strengths, which is as just somebody who makes the right basketball play regardless of the situation and how things are going. And that's that's what I've always appreciated about Cade in his days at Oklahoma State. He trusted his teammates, even though they would kind of blow some layups or, or miss a couple of coverages here or there, and just made the right basketball play. Um, you know, I, I think the the turnover thing that you're mentioning, a lot of people had some worries about it because of his time at at Oklahoma state, I thought that was a really a byproduct of the spacing and the role that he was in there, not having another scorer next to him. But I think Detroit almost has some of the the similar type of makeup of that Oklahoma state team where they don't have a ton of great three-point shooters. There isn't another primary creator, especially in the backcourt. Like I I think Jeremy Grant is turning into a, a solid, you know, first, second, third option, whatever you, you kind of view him as with this Pistons team. Uh, but uh, Cade needs to be with another lightning quick type of guard and somebody else that can get in the lane and alleviate the fact that I think he's got, frankly, a little bit slower of a first step.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and the Pistons have shot the ball like really this year. I don't know where they're at right now, but um, I'm sure they're still last in, in three point shooting. Like they were, going towards a historically low point um, after the first couple of weeks of the year. Um, and it's definitely affecting Cade. You can see when they do have the spacing right, um, and Cade has like space to just take a guy off the dribble. He does, and he pretty much gets to his spot whenever he wants. Um, but most of the time, the spacing isn't that good. And he just has to, to force things a little bit, um, although he doesn't really force things. So it ends up kind of, you know, just being your typical. It, it almost looks like a college, college type offense where there's more passing along the perimeter than kind of driving and probing. And it's uh, it's it's going to get better, I'm sure, as the Pistons get better and, and the shooting gets better. Some of that will work itself out naturally this year, and some of the some of it will get better just by by, pe- by players aging and um, and getting better players in the draft and in the free agency.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing right now the, the Detroit Pistons at the time of recording this are dead last in the NBA in three point percentage 30.1%. Like they are that's that's really bad over the course of a full season. Now we hope it continues to get better and rise through things but if we're talking about putting Cade Cunningham as this alpha creator in great situations, I think it's a little bit hard to evaluate how he's going to play in a well-spaced system when he's currently not playing in a well-spaced system. So uh, maybe I'm I'm leading you a little bit too much with the question here, but what types of players are going to be optimal next to Cade Cunningham? From what you've seen over the what is it, eleven games that he's played in his career, what types of guys do you want on this Pistons team next to Cade?
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely want shooters. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of guys I think come into the NBA and they'll actually surprise you. Like they look better than they did in college just because the spacing is so much better generally. Uh, with Kate, it's kind of been more of the same, you know, like we've been saying with, um, uh, compared to Oklahoma State. So you definitely need more more shooting. Um, the Pistons I think definitely need like a rim runner type. They don't really have that. Um, you have him and Killian Hayes, who I know we're going to talk about, who are both kind of adept passers. Would be really good Bob lob passers in the pick and roll, but they don't really have a great pick and roll uh, finisher. Like Isaiah, Isaiah, Stewart is a is a solid player, but he plays more below the rim. So, so that's one thing they need um, additional shooters. And then I think just a more you kind of mentioned like that twenty five point score. Um, I think another wing guard type who can who can really really score more um, is a little more athletic. They, they, they definitely need some more athleticism around um Cade. but you know the reality is um and the thing i liked about so much about Cade coming into the draft is you can put pretty much anyone around him and he's gonna he's gonna be fine because he does everything and he just processed the game at a, a level that he will maximize your team's strengths um, so a lot of it i think is is just based on what the team needs at, at any given time
0: Cade was such a great intangibles guy, not just with his basketball IQ and feel, but I I think there's an area that we don't talk enough about or really know how to talk about, which is basketball EQ, right? How do you walk into a locker room and lead it? How do you command the respect of your teammates and change the culture in an organization just by being you? And I think Cade is very genuine in those ways and has done that to a certain extent since he's gotten to Detroit. And that's going to make this a really attractive place to play long-term where if you get Cade one other building block, who can be a, you know, a really good starter on a championship caliber team, you can attract some other veterans and guys that are going to want to come there and fill in the holes that might exist later. Um, You know, you had mentioned Killian Hayes. That's probably the next guy that we need to talk about here because a year ago, which hard to believe just about 12 months ago was the 2020 NBA draft. seems like forever ago. It seems like yesterday, this has been a, a strange COVID year but Killian Hayes was thought to be one of those primary creator guys when he was drafted, at least through the external lens from a lot of us draft scouts or some of the media members, even guys like Kevin O'Connor from the ringer had Killian Hayes number one overall on his board. So a lot of praise coming in for his offensive game. I just got done about a week ago, writing a piece on Killian Hayes and how his evolution is really changed in terms of what to expect from him long-term. He's not necessarily that creator type because his first step is just not quick enough it's it's not really there but he's a great defender he's improving a little bit as a spot-up shooter it's not where it needs to be yet but he's improving in those ways and he's got such a great feel as a passer that he can have almost that lonzo ball connector like backcourt really good passer type of feel where if he shoots it well enough he can play off ball and be a valued member of your team Uh, how is what's the pulse in Detroit and amongst Pistons fans on Killian Hayes right now? Because I think the bar was pretty high initially. He fell pretty far beneath it with his rookie season and then is starting to pick it up in some ways, but the scoring is is still just not there. That's not his calling card and who he seems to be. So tell me a little bit about the pulse of Killian in Detroit and what you expect out of him moving forward.
1: Sure. Uh, so, so there is quite the dichotomy in opinions about killing Hayes. Um, some people think he's a horrible bust. You know, he's only still played, I think 40 some games. Um, Cause he, he missed a lot of time last year. Um, he's missing time right now because of a, a thumb injury. Um, he then there, the other part, I guess, what I would call the people who are, are more prevalent on Piston's Twitter, um, people who I tend to gravitate towards in terms of like agreeing with their opinions, I think still have a lot of faith in Killian. Um His defense, like you said, is just so good. It's, um, it, it's really impressive. He, he has very quick hands. He has very strong hands. He stands people up in the paint um, he just does everything that you want. Um, he, I mean, he really does look like a kind of a, a potentially future first team all or, or first second team, all the de- all team, all NBA defense. Um, he, he really has those skills and he showed it off right away as a rookie, which at his age, he was a very young rookie. Like, like that's just something that you don't see from, from rookie young rookie guards very often. Um, so I, I, I love his defense, the shooting, you know, we'll, we'll see it, it's looked better this year. Foot, his footwork is a big part of it. of it I think um, he's cut out a lot of the step backs and he kind of had a real dramatic step back. Um, it worked um, his, his, his last year overseas pretty well, but it, it didn't work in the NBA. So in his rookie year, uh, limited sample. Um, but to me, it's, they have his base looking stronger, which is good. Um, he's he's shooting more catch and shoot threes. He's he's shot well from the, the corner, but you know, between last year and this year, both samples are super small. So, you know, his shooting is still kind of too be determined for me.
0: Yeah, it, it very much is. And I think that the the key part is adjusting to a different role, right? Without Cade Cunningham a year ago, the ball in his hands a little bit more. That's where he would go to things like his step back, which he was really comfortable with when he was playing with Olm. And that's what got him on a lot of draft radars was being a solid individual scorer while being great in transition. And he doesn't quite have the speed to break away in transition as much as he used to. Uh, but when you get him in the half court, he doesn't have the first step to separate from guys. So he was relying on that step back. Defenders were playing him towards it. And he just really wasn't getting much of anything off that. He's also severely left hand dominant, like severely left hand dominant to the point where even if he's driving to his right and has a clear righty layup, he would be taking some left handed floaters. And that's that's a pet peeve of mine. I don't know how you felt about it, but it, it drove me crazy watching Pistons games from last year.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem. Um, you know, I think Lance Jackson was the one who said it today on Twitter. Um, Detroit Bad Boys editor. Talked about, or he said it on their, their podcast recently um, that you know his this injury is with is, is on his shooting hand, so um, you almost hope that maybe you'll get some right hand work in there um, because that that's definitely a, a problem. Um, I think you know he doesn't have a, like like a great first step. He doesn't. Um, he's not super fast, but but I do think he's good enough. He's he's quick enough um, to to get into the paint. We've seen him get into the paint a little more this year. My problem has always been, and it's been a little better this year, but it's still problematic. Is when he gets, he'll get to like the free throw line or a little past the free throw line, and he won't always have like a good plan for what he's going to do from there. And gets stuck. And um, last year was was especially noticeable because passing lanes were closing faster than he expected them to, and so he would like pick up his dribble and kind of throw up an ugly floater. Um, that's gotten a little better this year, but he's still got a lot of work to do there.
0: Yeah, he, he's. I think that's definitely spot on from what, what we've seen here, which is he, he gets in there without a plan and doesn't really know what, what to do once he gets past the defense, even though he's going to a strong hand pretty much every time. I thought Dwayne Casey did a great job of running that flex action where Killian would set a, a flex screen and then come off of a down screen into a handoff. And that would allow him to attack his left hand towards the middle of the floor, which is what you want from any type of creator. NBA teams run offense to get middle penetration for their best guys going to their strong hand. And he just didn't seem to feel comfortable or or find open guys or openings for himself to score uh, when those plays would, would really develop. So that was something that worried me. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think about his positioning long-term? Obviously if he, if he and Cade, are to stay together. They both have a lot of size if you were to try to play them in the backcourt. But both of them a little bit more physical defenders and not necessarily guys who would get back, get past, excuse me, some of the quicker point guards in this league. Do you think that that is a a combo that can play the one and the two for the Pistons? Do you think if their minutes come together, it's more at the two and three and you have somebody who's a little bit faster that helps facilitate things in the backcourt? Like how do we fit those two pieces together on the offensive and the defensive end?
1: Yeah. So I definitely think you want um, like a quicker guard, you know, Kate, I think is very much a three, um, you know, somebody who can move certainly play, play with one, two, three and four, I think. Um, But if he's playing with Killian, you know, you're going to definitely want a, a quicker, quicker guard who can, put more, more rim pressure um, on, on the defense more consistently, you know, in terms of Killian in his role, you know, I, I think Kate is probably the, the best thing to happen to him um, when he's been in Detroit. Like, you know, like you said earlier, we expected Killian to kind of be this alpha number one guy that doesn't appear to be in, even in his nature, he has, Kind of similar traits to Cade in that regard. He's he's very much a connector type type piece. Um so I like Killian more in as a secondary attacker, secondary playmaker, tertiary playmaker, where Cade, if you get the spacing right, can break down the defense, find Killian who has wide open driving lanes, passing lanes. And that's a place where where Killian can really excel because Killian's Killian's passing when he when he gets those passing lanes um, when he is able to view the view the floor is to me every bit as good as Cade's. Um, Cade can create those opportunities more better on his own, but when Killian gets those opportunities, he's he's pretty darn good.
0: Well, it, it's it's funny. I know we're we're talking about not being uh, a great alpha or somebody with the ball in his hands who he appears to be through 40 games. Like, yeah, it's a small sample size in a lot of ways and. The, the numbers and the eye tests are just not there with him being a guy that can run an offense. I mean nine points per 36 minutes, shooting 35% from two point range. Like those are just those are numbers that you can't have when you're you know tasked with organizing an offense, being able to score late clock, get into the paint and make something positive happen. He's a phenomenal passer. And a lot of his trajectory kind of reminds me of what we saw with a guy like Lonzo Ball where he was supposed to come in and be this unbelievable guy with the ball in his hands, was create a ton in transition, all world passer, like could finish it out at the rim. And, and, you know, we wondered about his jump shot and now look to where Lonzo is year six of his NBA career, year five, whatever it ends up being. He's, he's a really good catch and shoot guy, still that great playmaker in transition But it's his defense, his ability to throw extra passes and attack closeouts off ball to make the right play that put him in positions to succeed. And for me, if you're going to put Cade and Killian on the floor together, I agree. You need to have somebody smaller so that the guy that Killian is attacking off a closeout isn't the fastest defender on the floor. So that the guy that Cade is guarded by is still somebody that he can take into the post. And getting those two things together is going to be really, really challenging for the Pistons. How can you make it so that you have Killian at the two where he's guarded by somebody that he can blow past and Cade still at a position where he has a relative size advantage to be able to exploit it through slower back down plays? Or, or I think he's a great threat in the post and that's something that you know he can, he can get to late clock. I'm curious to see if the Pistons can find a way to get those two guys to coexist.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's it's where the the entire future of this team hinges on, I think. Um, although they're looking at another, you know, top five pick probably. Um, but for me, killing is very much a, a part of what I would like the Pistons future to be. Um and and I didn't I wasn't even like I, I did a little research on killing going into the draft. I was really big on Tyrese Halliburton who I saw as kind of the Lonzo ball connector um, type of guy. And, and that it looks to me like that's what Killian's probably going to be, you know, he's still very young um, certainly, but he, he he just has so far to go uh, that kind of transitioning in transitioning him into that uh, Lonzo ball type role, I think would be really good for him. And it's not, We've already kind of started to have this conversation on Piston's Twitter. It's not the, the guy that we maybe expected when we drafted Killian. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still a, a pretty good result from the six pick.
0: 51 career combined games for Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham, nine that they've played in together. So, this is still a, a marriage that is going to be given time to try to figure things out. And I'm sure that how they coexist now is not how they're going to coexist at the end of the season. But yes, ideally, both of these guys are going to be on the floor at the same time for the Pistons moving forward and find a way to, to coexist. The, the two other guys that were drafted in 2020, both might have gotten out to a much hotter starts than a guy like Killian Hayes. And, and we do some temperature checks from time to time on our Twitter page and ask some followers just the pulse of their team. And it seems like with the Pistons, we asked of the three rookies that they drafted in 2020, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart, how many of them are starters on a playoff-caliber team in the future? And the overwhelming sentiment and feedback was that all three have the individual talent to do so. So as we shift our focus to guys like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey, one – do you agree with that assessment that they're moving forward towards being starting caliber guys and two, how do all of these pieces fit together? Because if it's all about building around Cade to a certain extent is the, the core four of these young pieces able to really mesh well together.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I would be surprised if all three of killing Sadiq and Isaiah Sewer end up being, Starters, if and when the Pistons are kind of in the playoffs and, and looking to contend, I I think that it probably limits their potential a little bit. Um, you know, Sadiq, I think is certainly a, a long-term starter on a playoff team. He's he just fits so well. He's he struggled to begin the year. He's he's not shooting the ball well. He's taking on a bigger role, and he's just to my eye, it just looks like he's overthinking. Um, He's not reacting. He's thinking, which is just not a good way to play NBA basketball. And, you know, last year I commented a lot about what a good, how, 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 what a high level processor he was, um, which is not a surprise coming from Jay Wright's um, Villanova. That's just kind of what, what those guys do when they come into the league, but he's, he's really trying to figure out when to be aggressive, when to shoot, when, when to do all, all the different things that he's thinking about. And, um, you know, it's still early in the season. It's affecting his shooting. It's affecting pretty much every part of his game right now. I think that will get better. Um, he's he's a good defender. He's I think going to be you know a great shooter for a long time. And and so I see Sadiq as definitely a, a long term part of, of a playoff team. Um, Isaiah Stewart. Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I'm I'm just going to jump in on Sadiq while we're on the topic here. He was a guy I loved heading into the draft because he is very, very solid and dependable in his role, right? Plays off two feet, smart processing. He was a a smaller guy when he was in high school and then blossomed and and bloomed up height-wise to the point where now he can be that wing player. But, you know, a point guard in high school who can shoot 40% from three reliably That's a guy that you really want because he can be that connector piece. He can swing the ball and create a little bit when he attacks closeouts and he provides valuable floor spacing. Also a really solid defender, both in on ball and help type of situations because he has long arms. So shout out to Eric Singletary head coach at Sidwell friends who coached Sadiq in high school. Always, uh, always a great developer of talent on that level. But when it came down to, watching Sadiq film this year, because we dove in to watch a little bit more on Killian Hayes. I was always perplexed because it seemed like Sadiq was forcing and not really letting the game come to him or or just do the things that he's naturally good at. And that was hard for me to watch a little bit because you know, playing next to a a guy like like Jeremy Grant, playing next to a Cade Cunningham who should be more of a creator with the ball in their hands, it it was stunning to me to see his three-point attempts go down from year one to year two and have him be taking many more shots per game. I think he's taken almost four more field goal attempts per, per game, but he's taking fewer threes per game than he used to. And, and to me, there's something backwards about that. I'm not sure if that comes from opportunity, if that comes from the Pistons coaching staff of trying to get him to be more aggressive and him just kind of blindly following that and not reading the game the same way, but it's, it's not on the level of concerning yet but it's just uncharacteristic for who Sadiq Bey was as a rookie and when he was in college.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, He, I I do think he's forcing, trying to force it into the paint a little too much. Um, He's, he's, he's just not being decisive enough. And um, his, I guess, default used to be to just shoot when he, when you're open shoot. And, and now his default is, you know, when he's in between, when he's not quite sure, he's just gonna kind of run into the paint and he's, he doesn't have a good plan, like like Killian sometimes doesn't. And, you know, thing, things aren't really going too well. Um, it was his ass, ass, uh, assisted, the percentage of shots he's, he's being assisted on it, is going down both, you know, and you would expect it on the two pointers because he's just trying to do more inside the arc but it's it's down on corner three or on, on three point attempts as well um so he's he's just trying to do i think a little too much um, just pressing too much while he's struggling and it's not something i'm worried about long term but it's it's certainly been a contributing factor to the pistons uh rough start to begin the year
0: yeah, his his three point attempt rate from his rookie season was sixty six percent. So two thirds of his shots came from three. It's down to forty five this year, which again uncharacteristic for who he is and, and what you think you would be getting out of a guy like Sadiq Bay. Uh, three guards or you know wing perimeter player types that we've talked about. I think all three of them are pretty clearly not live bodied athletes or at least above average you know above the rim type of guys at the NBA level. I think Kate is a better athlete in a lot of ways than he gets credit for. But none of these guys are jump out of the gym, you know, posterizer on a, a nightly basis type of guys. The fourth pick, Isaiah Stewart, is probably your most meat and potatoes, hardworking, and and has surprised me a little bit athletically type of guy. So, what have you seen with Isaiah through a year and a half?
1: Yeah, um, you know, Isaiah is like if I've said this before, but if like you. If you built a, a robot, um, like you put in all the parameters as to what like a Detroit Pistons big man fan favorite would look like, like it would spit out Isaiah Stewart. Um, he just, you know, he's every, he's just this kind of this generation's Ben Wallace and Bill Ambeer and Dennis Rodman. He, he just works super hard. Um, he doesn't, he, he he's not flashy at all. Um, He's a little undersized, but he is really long. Um and he just works really hard on the boards. He's, I think, a super smart defender, um, much, much smarter than he gets credit for. He's I I watched him last year and you know, in the the pick and roll and just in the paint, you know, you see a lot of young bigs leave their feet too often um, or Chase what what looks like a pass that's not really a pass. He, he stays on his feet. He's very patient and he's a great rim protector as a result. And he's not some super athlete, um, but he, he does move well um, in, in like pick and roll defense. Uh, you know, he on and, and a number of occasions last year, like shut down James Harden in the pick and roll, stayed with Giannis. Like he, he's shown that he can stay with high level athletes um, even in mismatches. And so the defense is there. The offense is, you know, a little rough right now. He showed some, some strides last year, shooting the ball. Um, that hasn't been there this year. He hasn't even really attempted many shots. Um,
0: you know, one of nine from three, which is yeah. a small sample for him. And, and a guy who's I think long-term success maybe hinges a little bit on developing that shot.
1: I, I think a little bit, he doesn't have the like best instincts as a role man. He, he, often finds himself in the way um, as a role man. And so it's something that will certainly get better. He doesn't leap out of the gym as a finisher in the pick and roll. Um, But he does, you know, if you watch him, you know, in in the mid range, um, you know, he, he has a pretty good, like 18 foot jumper, 10 foot jumper. He has nice touch at the free throw line too. Nice touch around the rim. Um, So like, I think he can develop that three point shot, but it's, there's a big jump between 18 feet and, and the three-point line at, at the NBA level for especially for a guy like Isaiah Stewart, who hasn't traditionally shot many. So that that's something that's that's gonna need to develop. You know, I'd also like to see him develop as more of a sh- a short roll guy. Um, there have been some flashes of of passing in the short roll, and and he can he can hit that short, you know, mid-range jumper too. So I would like to see him do Do more of that, especially given that he does kind of get in the way sometimes as a a role man. All
0: right, so four guys that have been drafted with first round selections over the last two years. Is it fair for me to say that it's Cade Cunningham and three glorified role players, an energy meat and potatoes big man, a defensive connector piece who maybe can knock down spot up shots, and Killian Hayes, and that traditional three and D wing when he's at his best, who can be a high processing passer in Sadiq Bay.
1: No, I think it's totally fair. I said it a lot last year. You know, I, I thought I think that once they get, if and when they get that, you know, star production from Kate or or maybe it's the next draft pick, um, they have a lot of pieces to just kind of fit in. that can really um, kind of accelerate what would what could be a slower process because uh, I think Killian Sadiq and Isaiah are all really good role real players. We into contribute contribute
0: to a winning team and and it's on the the Pistons front office and Troy Weaver to continue to find ways to add more talent that's going to put them all in optimal situations right it's hard to evaluate Killian Hayes as a role player who's probably your seventh eighth ninth best offensive option when as a rookie you have to play him with the ball in his hands because you don't have anybody else you know it's hard to evaluate Sadiq Bay as that Almost Jay Crowder for the Suns type who can defend multiple guys, knock down shots and just make the right play if he's going to be your third option every single night, because that's the roster that you have right now. So I I implore Pistons fans just from a patience and team building perspective to understand that a lot of these guys are long term NBA contributors. They're just playing in a role maybe above their head right now. And it's, it's going to take time adding more young players and the right veterans eventually that will put the rest of this roster in a position to succeed. So I also think that there's two veterans that are in place right now that are doing as good of a job as they possibly can at either carrying the load or lightening the burden on some of those younger guys. And first is obviously Jeremy Grant. Uh, How long should he be in Detroit? You know, there's, Anytime there's a team that's looking to trade a superstar, Jeremy Grant is the first name that pops up as, well, he's good and he's not on a great team. So I'm sure they'll just want to get rid of him in Detroit and maximize their assets. But he does a lot of great and really important things for this team and has quite frankly surprised me in a role where he plays with the ball in his hands more and is a dependent upon scorer. Do you you like Jeremy with this iteration of the Pistons roster and how long should he be, of valued as a member of this organization. So
1: I, I I like Jeremy Grant with this roster when he's playing in a certain way. He has a tendency to slow down the offense and play ISO ball when he had an advantage. Like he, if if he would have attacked right away, you know the, the entire offense would have flowed better. You, you'd probably have more shooters, or he just had a cleaner lane to the to the to the rim um, when he's playing within the offense um, and knocking down shots and you know, attacking more timely. Um, he, I think, is is a great fit for the Pistons um, because he he can be the guy who can get downhill uh, a little easier than than Killian and Cade can. Um, but I I would like to see it come from advantages created by, by Keaton, not necessarily just isolation ball, which we've seen quite a, quite a bit of, and I think more than we even did last year from Jeremy.
0: And and the other veteran that's worth bringing up right now is, is a guy like Kelly Olenek, who has come in and been a, you know, probably their best three-point shooter, which is not saying much right now. Uh, He's at 34% for the year, but, a front court floor spacer next to not necessarily a non-shooting guard in a guy like Cade Cunningham, but if you're going to have slower guys in the backcourt, whether that's Killian or Cade coming off of the pick and roll, the pick and pop becomes an incredibly attractive option because it takes bodies away from the paint and allows these guys to get in there and do what they do best, which is pass. Quite frankly, Cade Cunningham to me is a better passer than he is a scorer. Killian Hayes is clearly a better passer than he is a scorer. So the pick and pop takes bodies away from the rim, forces defenders to fly out of the corner to make those smart help rotations. And now Cade and Killian are flinging the ball out to guys who theoretically should be shooters that are spaced into the corner. So w- what value it, does Kelly Olynyk specifically have with this team? And what does this show us long-term about what type of guys might be best next to Cade Cunningham?
1: Yeah, I, I really liked Kelly Olenek's, um I guess, brief time in Detroit before he got injured. He's he's out another m- month or so, I think. Um, but, yeah, he – I was really excited to get more Cade-Kelly Olenek minutes because I think when you put Olenek at the five, you don't have Isaiah Stewart in there. You You have – even if you don't have – four great shooters around Cage, you at least have four capable shooters who defenses are gonna respect, but you can run some spread pick and roll, which I think is the the kind of scheme that is probably probably best going to accentuate Cade Cunningham's strengths um, because he is such a good passer. He, he processes the game at such a high level. And <clears throat> frankly, I, I think that probably gets him into the paint a little easier and gets him better looks um so you know that that is the the center I would like to see with with Kate Cunningham in the future and whether that's you know if Isaiah Stewart can become that um I'm a little skeptical um but I I do want somebody at the five who, who is going to be able to spread the floor especially and I think you can kind of sacrifice a little bit of defense because you have those three great defenders uh, at at the wing positions.
0: All right. So it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is what I've got down as I've been taking notes throughout this day. What do the Pistons need long-term to maximize the group that they already have talents? First and foremost, you always need more talent when you're a a team that's probably on pace to win about 20, 25 games, another primary creator, somebody in the backcourt who can break down defenses and you know, score their own shot or at least create for others so that it's not just Cade and, and Killian trying to do it with their lack of foot speed. It would be more front court shooting, whether that's a wing who can stretch the floor and, and play to the corners, or if it's a pick and pop big like Kelly Olynyk. Are we missing anything there? Like w- What else might this team really need to maximize what it already has?
1: So, I mean, you could certainly lump this into all three of those categories, but I think it really needs just a little more athleticism. Um, You know, you have – I love Killian. I love Kate, I love Sadiq and how they think about the game. I think they're all high-IQ basketball players, um, but they're all below the rim guys. Isaiah Stewart's more below the rim than he is above the rim. Um, They're going to need – some more athleticism, both I think from a front court and a back court number, um, and you can, you know, in today's game you can get that and combine it with shooting and talent and creation. But I, I definitely think you want some more athleticism to kind of um, put some more pressure on the defense and, and do it a different way as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a certainly a fair point there, but. I'm not going to be the one to burst your bubble, but this does not look like a draft class that is going to have, at least at the top, uh, a ton of guys who are elite shooters, a ton of guys who are elite athletes at the positions that might complement what the Pistons already have. And at the very least, it does not seem that there is one really good lead guard out there in that top five or six range. So, At this point in time, there seem to be three names that are hotly talked about as the top three guys in the draft class. Paolo Banquero out of Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and both of them are more like front court fours and fives, kind of unique pieces and and unique in their own way. And then Jaden Hardy for the G League Ignite is a guy that I've always been really high on for his shot making ability. But he doesn't have the quickness or the finishing ability that would make him a great complement with this Pistons roster. So let's say Detroit doesn't end up getting one of those top three picks, getting one of those talents that would fit in just as a head and shoulders, the best talent available felt like we needed to take him and we'll figure out the rest of it later. To me, there were two guys that Pistons fans should start to try to check out a little bit and get excited on. One is Jabari Smith from Auburn a massive, massive athlete who is your stereotypical long armed like seven foot four wingspan type of defender who can guard maybe three through five at the NBA level. I mean, I I would genuinely be terrified. I'd piss down my leg if he closed out near me because he is active. He is long as hell and he has great ground coverage. Now he has been awesome in transition offensively, And right now he's shooting the ball very, very well. So the ability to have somebody who can maybe play the four or the five, be that above the rim athlete and add what you already identified there, Matt, as one of the missing pieces for this Detroit Pistons roster is, is really important to me. The other guy that stands out to me for Pistons fans to know would be PJ Baldwin out of uh, UW Milwaukee plays there because his dad is the head coach. It's not this random You know, top talent that's coming out of a mid-major like John Morant. He's been tracked and was looking at all of the top schools coming out of high school. A really, really good shooter. He's miscast a little bit in his role right now because playing in the Horizon League and picking on, quite frankly, not good enough competition on a nightly basis, his team is going to ask him to do more with the ball in his hands, to be used in a variety of ways. But to me, he's almost like a Michael Porter Jr., really, really accurate front-court shooter run him off different actions, have him be a knockdown floor spacer, and that will open up the rest of opportunities for the Pistons. He's not a phenomenal athlete. I think he's solid in a lot of ways, but also has a little bit of overlap with Sadiq in his positional kind of usage and, and what he might be best at. Between those two options, more of a defensive-minded guy who can shoot it a little bit and play the 3, 4, and 5, or a really, really good shooter who's not quite the athlete, what do you tend to lean on but just on the way we've described them right now?
1: Um, you know, they both sound great, frankly. Um, <laughs> they both definitely fit um, and fill needs. Um, and thinking from a Troy Weaver perspective, like they both sound like true Troy Weaver guys, like Jabari Smith being kind of a long, strong defender, um, PJ Baldwin being a coach's kid, like Troy Weaver is definitely going to love that. Um, and a big being a big shooter, you know, I I think where the Pistons are, like I would almost prefer PJ Baldwin um, just from from the archetypes that you you've described, like throwing Michael Porter Jr. next to um, and among Sadiq Bay, Kate Cunningham, and, and Killian Hayes having kind of a more dynamic higher volume type of guy um I think would be would be a great fit and you know the the other thing is I, I just think with as, as a as and, and it's just easier to find a good defensive big um you know if you if you can you can find somebody and plug them in you can find a, a leaper um to, to finish at the rim. um you're not gonna find many guys who have Michael Porter Jr. type upside so um, I would I would tend to lean more towards Baldwin based on, on those descriptions.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't want to disappoint Pistons fans or try to make it uh, seem like we're all doom and gloom here because, like we said, one of the most interesting rosters to watch over the next three or five years with how they evolve, how these guys continue to get better, and the moves that they make to try to supplement things. But looking forward, if they don't end up with you know any of the top three guys that we've mentioned or really Smith or Baldwin here, there's not a lot of great lead guards that are emerging to be kind of top seven or top eight picks, and at the very least, I don't think there's a ton of shooting beyond a guy like Baldwin. So, uh, for the Pistons fans who are kind of thinking to themselves, "Oh, we'll just grab another really good shooter when they come along," like it may have to be more through getting creative with other draft picks, trade backs, uh, whatever they can do to maximize that out there. So, uh, we'll we'll certainly deal with that bridge when we cross it, Pistons fans. But at the very least, try to get to know a couple of the names at the top of draft boards and, and feel free yourself who you think would fit best next to Cade Cunningham and his crew. So, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, talking to us about the Detroit Pistons, informing me a lot about what you've seen because you watch the games far more than I do. Please let the people know where can they find your work? What do you have going on in the hopper right now? And what are you expecting out of the Pistons the rest of the way?
1: Yeah, well, th- thanks Thanks for having me, Adam. Um, always great to talk basketball with you. Um, you can find me on, on Twitter at WayMattH. Um, you can read my stuff at Detroit Bad Boys. I am actually working on um, a Sadiq Bay piece that I'm hoping will post within the next week or so, depending on what kind of time I have. Um, but that's kind of focusing on a lot of... There's some of what we've talked about, him being kind of indecisive and just working through his his new role. So um, that's where you can find most of my stuff. Um, I'm I'm expecting better things from the Pistons. It's not going to get a whole lot worse, I don't think. Um, But they are dealing with some injuries. Um, Isaiah Stewart's out for a couple games after being suspended. Killian Hayes has got a a thumb issue. So I... We'll see, but um, you know, the, the shooting has to get better. I keep telling myself that, um, and, and I think it will eventually. And once they start making some shots, I, I think they'll win, win a better better percentage of games. At least that, that's the hope.
0: That's certainly the hope here. But, Matt, thank you again for, for coming on here, and uh, we will see everybody on the next edition of the Boxing One podcast. Thanks for tuning in.